We are unworthy, dear God. We are sinful beings in need of your forgiveness. We pray for that this morning. And we pray, Lord, specifically for the Holy Spirit to be with us. Not for this preacher to be seen, but for the Holy Spirit to reveal his word to each individual hearer this morning. We pray for your name to be glorified through the word of God and that your word would not return unto you void. We thank you, Lord, and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you would like to have a daily baptism of the Holy Spirit? If that's you, go ahead and just raise your hand. You want, you want that. I want a daily baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, I've heard that term thrown around a lot in the church. And the question is, what does that actually mean for us? What does it mean to have a daily baptism of the Holy Spirit? Well, first of all, we have to understand what the, the whole point of baptism really is in the first place. Let's turn our Bibles really quick here to the book of Romans chapter 6, and we're going to look at verse 4. Romans chapter 6, and we're going to look at verse 4. We want to have a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit, but how does this take place in our lives? Uh, I have a lot to share this morning. Hopefully... I won't go too fast, and if you are accustomed to taking notes, it may be a good time to take notes this morning, because we will be going through quite a few scriptures this morning. So we're in Romans chapter 6, looking at verse, let's begin in verse, in verse 3. Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism unto death that just as Christ was raised from the dead to the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. So we see here that baptism is an illustration of something. What is that? An illustration of death, dying with Christ, and then being resurrected to a new life in Christ Jesus. Amen? How many of you have experienced baptism yourselves? Is it a glorious experience? I believe it is. So how do we experience this on a daily basis? I'd hazard to say that God has built into our daily lives this experience, if we want to take it. You see, when a person dies, what does the, the Bible attribute that like? What is, the, what is death like in the, according to the Word of God? It's like a sleep, right? We don't have time to go through all the scriptures to, to show that. If you have questions on that, come in and talk to me later. But death is like a sleep. We see in the Bible, in, in, in the book of, I believe it's Psalm 13, verse 3, David talked about how he did not want to sleep the sleep of death, right? So death is like a sleep. How many of you guys sleep every day? I hope all our hands will go. If you're not sleeping every day, you probably should be. But we sleep every day. And how many of us, how many of us wake up? You're all here, right? So you woke up. Praise God. Amen. So I hazard to say that, that, that every day God has built into our daily experience a baptism, a death in sleep, and a resurrection in him. Turn in your Bibles just to see this illustration in the book of Isaiah chapter 50 and verse 4. Isaiah chapter 50 and verse 4. A daily experience that God wants to give us, that he already has built into our daily lives of just rising and going to sleep. Isaiah chapter 50, looking at verse 4. When you get there, go ahead and just say amen for me. All right, so we're in Isaiah 50, looking at verse 4. The Bible says, The Lord has given me the tongue of the learned, 
that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. How many of you want that right there? Amen? I know I do. But look what it goes on to say. There's more to it than just having a word to speak. Look at the next part of the verse. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. So we see here that every morning, God desires to awaken us, but not just to awaken us and give us life to live and life to do our jobs or life to go to school or life to uh, participate in recreational activities. He's given us the breath of life. He's awakening us each morning to give us a what? What does the verse say? An ear to hear what he wants to speak to us. Every single morning, God wants to reveal himself to us in a powerful, powerful way. And I believe this is part of receiving the baptism of God's Holy Spirit, not just a theoretical thing that we think about uh, being death and dying every day and, and raising again, but literally allowing God to speak to our hearts and minds on a daily basis. How many of you want that? I want to hear God's voice. I was talking to my friend this week at the gym. I go to a local gym right over in Colson, and he, he asked me that question this week. Like, Wesley, how do, you, how do you know how to hear God's voice? How do you know when God is speaking to you? God wants to speak to us every single day. And the, vo- and the, and the Bible says there in verse 4 that he awakens my ear to hear as the learned. Now, what does it mean to be learned? What, is that, what, that, what does that word learned mean? To hear as the learned. I heard it studied. One who studies. What else? Anyone else? Have a, what does it mean of he, who has learned? Who is taught? Yes. The similar word is used actually in uh, the book of, uh, I think it's, uh, let, me, let me see here. Uh, yeah, it's, it's the book of um, Jeremiah chapter 13 and verse 23. We see that the Bible says, can an Ethiopian change his spots? Or the leopard, oh no, can an Ethiopian change his skin? Or the leopard his spots? Or can those who are accustomed to doing evil, can they do good? And the word accustomed there is the same word that is being used in Isaiah 50 verse 4. Those who are accustomed to doing evil, it's not easy for them to do good. In the same way, we need to be accustomed to hearing God's voice. Learning to hear God's voice. How many of you want to do that? I want to be accustomed to hearing God's voice. I do on a, on a daily, moment-by-moment basis. I want to hear what God has to say to me. I want to know what God's will is. I'm going to tell you qu- quickly six things that are for sure God's will. For sure that we, we, we know, know, know beyond a shadow of a doubt these six things. How many things? Six things that are for sure God's will uh, that we know in the Bible. I'm going to show you six things first, quick six things Six things, and then a, a little bit slower, seven things of how to know God's will. So there's going to be quite a lot of information here, but hopefully we'll get it, and I'm going to share my story as well. How do we know God's will? The first one, the first three are all, are all S's, all S's. The last three are all G's, the letter G. So the first one, the first S, is always God's will that we should be saved. Amen? Always God's will we should be saved. The Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, God is not slack concerning his promise as some count slackness, but he is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but they all should come to repentance. 
It is always God's will that we ought to be saved. Now, not everyone's going to be saved, unfortunately, those who do not choose to be. But if you desire Christ in your life and you want to be saved, that is always a prayer that I believe that God is willing to answer. He wants to save every individual. So it's always God's will for you to be saved, for you to be able to receive salvation. The second thing is he, God wants us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It is his will that we are filled with the Holy Spirit. How many of y'all believe that? A- amen? Let's go to uh, the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5, looking at verse 15. It's God's will that we be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you are filled with the Holy Spirit? I saw a couple of hands go up. No confidence here? I, I, I assume that more of us feel like we're filled with the Holy Spirit. No? How many of us feel like we're filled with the Holy Spirit? Still, oh, maybe four or five hands? I know, you want to be you know, proud and you want to be humble. Praise God. Amen. We're in church. But we, it's God's will that we all be filled with the power and love and understanding of the Holy Spirit. Look at Ephesians chapter 5 and we'll begin in, in verse... 17. It says, therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit of God. All of us should be filled. It is God's will that we ought to be filled with the power and love and presence of the Holy Spirit. And I tell you right now, the Holy Spirit is available to each and every one of us if we only ask. Amen? Amen? I believe that. Hopefully you do as well. Number three. So first, salvation. Number two, filled with God's spirit. Number three, quickly, in, in Thessalonians, first Thessalonians chapter four and verse three, the Bible clearly states that it is God's will that we be sanctified. And it clarifies that verse a little bit more. It says that you should be sexually pure. They should abstain from sexual immorality. It is God's will that we be sanctified, set apart, and sexually pure. Now, I say that to us today because obviously we live in a world that's very sexually unpure. And it's God's will that we be sexually pure, set apart for his purpose. Amen? Now, I'm not going to preach a sermon on that specifically, but you just need to know that and study it more on your own if you'd like to later on. So we've seen three S's so far. God's will, first of all, to be, to ha- to be saved. To be filled with the Holy Spirit and to be sanctified or in the context of that same verse, to be sexually moral according to God's will. We're going to go to the, 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 the G's now. The G's that are guaranteed God's will. The first one of the G's is, it is God's will that we give thanks. How many of you gave thanks today? Yes? I hope you did. Because it's God's will that we give thanks in all situations. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 um, and verse 18 says that. That in all things we ought to give thanks. In everything give thanks. Is that easy to, to always do? It's not always easy to do, but it's what we should do. We should always give, be giving thanks. That's number four. Number five, second G, is that it's always God's will for his law... To be in our hearts. It's always God's will for his law to be in our hearts. The Bible says in the book of Psalm. Psalm 40 and verse 8. I delight to do thy will, O my God. Therefore your law is within my 
hearts. Always God's will. The last G I want to share with you is, is real, really quick. I've gone through the three S's and now the three G's. And the last one is always God's will for us to do good. Go to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 15. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 15. 1 Peter 2 and verse 15. When you get there to 1 Peter 2 and verse 15, go ahead and say amen. The Bible says this. For this is the will of God, that in doing or by doing good, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. We ought to always do good. It is not that complicated. Understanding God's will is really not super duper complicated. It's pretty simple. God wants us to be saved, to be filled with the Spirit, to abstain from sexual immorality. He'd like us to have His law in our hearts. He'd like us to do good. He'd like us to give thanks. I remember one time I was traveling. Well, but before I go there, what does it mean to do good, by the way? What does it do good mean? It mean to do good. In Micah chapter 6 and verse 8, the Bible says, I have shown thee, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. That is always God's will. One time I was traveling from the city of uh, Salt Lake City to Reno. Anyone ever been to those places before? It's a long drive from, from uh, Salt Lake City to Reno, Nevada, about, about seven hours or so, that drive. And I was driving one day, and it's a long road, a long, empty road, salt flats are there, it's just boring as ever. But I came to this little town called Winnemucca, and I, I needed to get gas. No, Wendover is the, town, the name of the town, Wendover. And as I passed... To exit off the freeway to the 80 highway, I saw a couple hitchhikers on the side of the road. And I was like, oh man, I felt this burning conviction. Pick them up, Wesley. Now, in my time, I've, I've been accustomed to picking up many hitchhikers. I don't necessarily recommend it to everyone, but the Lord has oftentimes convicted me to do that very thing. So I looked at them and I feel this conviction, and I look at them and I know I should be doing good, seeking to serve God. And, and um, I, I look at them and I say, oh, Lord, really? And then, around the corner, I see a little dog that they have. And I'm like, Lord, no way. There's no way I want a dog to be in my car. It's a little puppy. What if it pees? What if it poops in the car? I don't, I don't want this. So I went to get gas. I filled my car with gas. I got back on the road to get on the freeway. I saw them again, and again the conviction came to my heart. Wesley, share my goodness with these individuals, too, a guy and a girl. But I was like, ah, Lord, I don't really want to, honestly. And so I just got on the freeway and drove by, drove by. And I'm driving down the road about, you know, maybe five, ten minutes. And again, this conviction comes to my mind. Wesley, those people are back there. And that's like Jesus in their place. Like, as much as you've done to the least of these, do unto me. And these verses come to my mind. Like, Lord, okay, 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 I'm hearing you. Let me turn around and go back and pick these guys up. So I go around, exit, come back, pick them up. They get in the car. And I begin, to, I begin to talking to them. We, we drive down the road. We got about three, more, three or four hours left to go. To make a long story short, we talk about a variety of things. They ask me what I do. I tell them I do things like glow and share the gospel. And I share the gospel with them. And they don't believe in God. They're atheists, agnostics. And, but, they're, they're, but they're listening. They're listening for three hours. Amen? In the car because they can't go anywhere. Uh, <laughs> I give them a glow track. They read it. 
They're talking. The dog is there. He didn't pee in the car. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. But we get to Reno, and I give them a hotel for the night, and they tell me that they're on their way to, 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 um, to Oregon. They're on their way to Oregon. I'm like, okay, no problem. I'm preaching tomorrow. If you guys want to come by before you head over to Oregon, why don't you come by and hear me preach? And they're like, okay, sure, maybe. We'll see. So I go home and uh, go to sleep, pray for them, get up in the morning, pray for them again, text them that morning, say, hey, you guys want to come to church? And they're like, you know what? Yes, we want to come to church. Pick us up, please. I pick them up. We go to church with the dog. Amen. The dog is still there. <laughs> we come to the entrance of the church, and the church member's like, uh, what is this? There's a dog in the church? <laughs> they were not accustomed to that. But they, 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 they made adjustments by God's grace. Uh, they invited them in. They sat in the church service. The dog was there uh, in, the, in, the, in the fellowship hall, hanging out. And I preached the word. And that day I made a special appeal, an appeal for people to give their hearts to Christ for the first time. And both of them stood up and gave their hearts to Jesus Christ. You see... It's always God's will for us to do good. Now, I'm not telling you that you always have to pick up every hitchhiker. But when God's speaking to you about something that you know is clearly God's word, will in his word, we have to do that thing because people are in need of help. Amen? And we can respond, we can respond to God's voice and help them. So those are the six things that are for sure basic, basic God's will. Now, there are seven things I'm going to share with you really quick as well about how to, to decipher God's will when you have a difficult situation to, to, to choose, a, a life choice, uh, uh, maybe a mate, or maybe an occupation, or maybe moving to this place or that place, or taking this job or that job, or it could be anything really. How do you know what God is speaking to you uh, beyond the basic things that we know from God's word are his will? How do we know those things? And basically there's, there's seven things that are modified from George Mueller who shared how to, to discern God's voice. And I'm going to share them with you this morning. And then I'm going to specifically share how God has, has shown me his will through those things. Number one, number one is to have no will of your own in the matter. When you're deciding about something that you want to do in life or uh, opportunity that comes into life, have no will of your own. Give your will over to Jesus Christ. Amen? We see an example of this in Scripture in the book of Matthew chapter 26 Verse 36 to 40. Let's go ahead and turn there quickly. We all know this scripture, I believe, probably. But we're going to go there this morning to Matthew chapter 26, looking at verse 36 to 40. Have no will of your own in the matter. Matthew chapter 26, looking at verse 36. The Bible says there, actually we'll begin in verse 38. So we'll begin in verse 38 for time's sake. It says, and giving the context... We see here Christ is in the Garden of Gethsemane, just before going to the cross. Verse 38 says, Then he said to them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O oh my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. You see, Christ gave us the, the perfect example. Uh, a life decision that he had to make that would impact all of humanity, the rest of the world. And he, in that moment, did not, did not necessarily feel like he wanted to do that thing. He said, ah, I, if you'd be willing, like, let, let this cup pass from me, God. I don't necessarily want this cup that you're giving to me that I've, I, I've chosen to take. If, you, if, if it's possible, let it pass from me. But at the end of, the, of that prayer, he says, not my will, but your will be, be done. Amen. That's how we need to think about decisions we're making. Put our will aside. I can tell you story after story about how God has led in my, in my wife's life 
uh, on this very topic, a place we didn't want to go, a thing we did not want to do, but God said, do that thing. And God blessed in an amazing way as a result. It happened this week. I was at the gym, and I was uh, talking to a guy that was interested in spiritual things, um, and, and he's not, you know, not a member of our church at all or whatever, but we're talking about, like, the Bible and hearing God's voice and his life, and, and I had this impression, invite him over for a meal right now. And it was like 7.30 at night. I'm studying for medical school. I need to go to sleep. All these things I'm thinking in my head while I'm getting this impression. Like, I don't want to go eat. I don't eat at night. I eat I, way earlier than this. I don't want to go eat. Lord? So I didn't. I didn't do it. And I was like, Lord, I felt really bad. I called my wife. I, like, I felt like I should, have, I should have done this. I didn't do it. So she's like, just call, call him right now and invite him right now. And I was like, okay, fine, I'll do it. So I call him up, invite him right then. He says, I can't do it today, but I can do it maybe next, nah, on Thursday. So we meet up for a meal. And to make a long story short, this guy is, is ready for Jesus Christ. Amen? And you just got to listen to God's voice in the, even the small things. We, we don't want to necessarily do all the time. God wants to bless us in a mighty way if we listen to him. So the first thing is, have no will of your own. The second thing is, put aside feelings. Don't go by your feelings. Don't trust your natural feelings. The Bible says in the book of Jeremiah 17 verse 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? We can't trust our own hearts. We can't trust our own feelings. We need to trust something else. And that's the word of God. Amen? So number one, have no will of your own. Number two, don't go by our feelings. I remember one time I was talking to someone about, you know, following God and doing like something like keeping the Sabbath, right? And they're like, you know what, Wesley, I see it in the Bible, but I just don't have peace about it. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. Uh, and I, of course, work with them and, and, and labor with them. But let me ask you a question. Should we follow our, our feelings or should we follow the word of God? We should always follow the word of God. Now, our feelings are oftentimes good. God gave us feelings, right? They're not bad. I'm not saying we should ignore all our feelings. But we have to weigh our feelings with the ultimate God, which is the word of the living God. So, no will of your own in the matter. Don't go by feelings. Number three, understand and study God's word. With the power of the Holy Spirit, right? You've got to have the Holy Spirit as well. But God's word is our ultimate guide for life. Now, I can show you probably a hundred, maybe a thousand scriptures that, that kind of illustrate that point, but I'll show you one right now. This is in Psalm 119, verse 105. Psalm 119, verse 105. Let's go there real quick. Psalm 119, verse 105. Many of you may have this verse memorized. It says... Psalm 119, verse 5. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. God is saying in his word, this is very clear. My word is a light. If you don't have a light, what are you going to be in? You're going to be in darkness. If you don't want to be in darkness, get the lamp of God's word and shine that thing upon your path. And God will guarantee show you what he wants you to do, the path that he wants to lead you in. He may not show you every single step, but at the very least, he will show you the next step to take in your life. The word of God, we've got to study. We've got to get to know God's word more for ourselves. Over the Christmas holiday, my family and I were at a, a home that we were renting with other family members. And we were, uh, the lights went out in the middle of the night. On Christmas Day, actually, the lights went out. And we had no light, right? And, and we very, very presently saw the need of light. Without that, we were tripping and falling. Uh, we actually did play, uh, 
uh, hide and seek in the dark. That was kind of fun. Um, but when there's no light, you can't see and you can't, you don't know where to go. It's pitch black, right? And without God's word, we don't have that. We've got to learn how to trust God's word. Now, this is not a, a sermon on how to study the Bible and, and how to, to know how God's speaking to you from the word. But you've got to learn that. If you don't know that already, you've got to learn how to discern God's voice from his word. I can tell you story after story. This week, guys, this week, God has been doing this for me. I see Lance smiling over there. He knows. I told him last night what happened. But yes, God will speak to us presently in his word on a daily basis if we ask him to. That's number three. I'm going to go quickly through the rest of these so we can get through this here. So number one, no will of your own in the matter. Number two, don't go by feeling. Number three, the word of God inspired by the spirit of God. Number four, we want to ask God in prayer. This may seem very basic, guys. I get it, right? We all know this. You're Advent hopers. You guys study the Bible, and you guys know the Word of God. Praise God. You guys pray, I'm sure. But this is very, very important. We pray to know what God's will is. We see many illustrations of this in the Scriptures. Let's go to one really quick here in the book of Jeremiah 42, looking at verse 2 and 3. Jeremiah chapter 42, looking at verse 2 and 3. We've got to ask God in prayer. God will oftentimes answer our prayers and speak to us while we're praying. It's like a conversation with him. We're opening ourselves up to hear what he has to say to us. Isaiah chapter 42 and verse 2 and 3. Did I say Isaiah, guys? My bad. Jeremiah. I said Jeremiah first, didn't I? Yes, I was right the first time. Jeremiah chapter 42 Verse 2 and 3. Thank you for your correction, guys. I appreciate your help. All right. When you get there, say, I'm there. Wonderful. Oh, let me pick this up before it flies away. Okay, so we're there. It says, and said to Jeremiah, these are the people saying to Jeremiah, the prophet, please let our petition be acceptable to you and pray for us to the Lord our God for all this remnant, since we, are left, uh, since we are left, but a few of many, as you can see, that the Lord your God may show us the way in which we should walk and the thing that we should do. I think we're okay here. Thank you guys for your help. Wow. You know, the wind is like the Holy Spirit, amen? The Holy Spirit must be here. Praise God. <laughs> so we see there... Thank you, guys. So we see that they were asking for God to reveal His will as they prayed, as they asked Him. I can't tell you how many times I've been praying in the morning and praying for God to show Himself to, to me and reveal His will. I, I get these impressions and I hear God's voice or He reminds me of a scripture that I had read in the past. When I'm praying. Now, how many of you guys have a hard time praying sometimes? I want to admit that. I know I do. Right? In the morning especially. I'm, I'm waking up at 3 o'clock in the morning right now to, to, to study and, and stuff like that for, for, for school and for the Word. But I'm tired. Honestly, I'm tired in the morning. I'm tired when I uh, get up. But the Lord has impressed me. Wesley, go ahead and walk around. Walk around the neighborhood. Pray while you're walking. That will keep you awake. And it very much does. It keeps me awake. And I, I just walk around the neighborhood, pray, come back. And by the time I'm, I'm back, I got my, 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 my heart rate up a little bit. And I feel good. I'm not as cold anymore. And I just start studying the word of God. But pray. Pray for God's will. That's number four. Let's go on quickly to, to number five. Number five is 
We need to have godly counsel. Godly counsel is very important. We want to hear God's word, but we also want to get counsel from others. Let's turn to the book of Proverbs, chapter 11, verse 13, or 14. Proverbs 11 and verse 14. The Bible says there, Where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. See, counsel is very important. And I'm not saying that you need to get counsel from people and have them tell you what to do. Not at all. Because God wants to speak to you directly, personally. But what I am saying is, oftentimes people around us can see things that we can't see. Oftentimes they, they will know a verse to share with us or they will know a situation or a fact uh, that, that they can share with us that will help us make the decision, an informed decision. It's important to get counsel from others. Without that, it's easy for us to fail and to fall. I'm going to go to the next one, number six. So I'll just review them once again. No will of your own in the matter, number one. No feel, uh, don't go by feelings. Number two, the word of God. Number three, I'm sorry, number three, the word of God. Number four, prayer. Ask God in prayer. Number five, godly counsel. And number six, providential workings. God's providence for us. What is providence? Well, providence is really how God... His unique and divine care for us. Putting us in situations that we wouldn't have planned ourselves or seen to put ourselves in that, in that place or connected people together or did certain things that are just divinely His care. Even things that are not good, potentially. What I think of when I think of providence especially is the story of Joseph. His life was a life of providence. God led in his life. He didn't know exactly how or why certain things were happening to him when he went to, to Egypt and when he uh, arrayed to the, the, the height of Potiphar's house and then was thrown down to the prison for doing good and being there for many, many years and then finally getting out. And it wasn't until the end of his life where he began to see how God was moving and why he was moving in certain ways. And the Bible says in, in, uh, in Genesis 50 and verse 20, what the enemy meant for evil, the Lord meant for, for good. God's providence, how he cares for us, even in the midst of hard and difficult and unseemly circumstances. We must trust God's providence. And the last thing, number seven, after all that, is to make a decision. Do something, yes? Don't just sit there uh, not knowing what to do, wondering what to do, and, and just not move anywhere. Move somewhere. Make a decision. And oftentimes, uh, we find in the spirit of prophecy that she says that we can make, it's better oftentimes to make a decision even though it may be the wrong one rather than waiting and holding and not doing anything at all. It's kind of like a car, right? When you're driving a car, is it easy to, to turn the steering wheel when, they're, when you're not moving? Have you ever tried that before? Turning the steering wheel when it's not moving, when, you, when you're just parked? It's kind of difficult to do that, right? How about when you're moving though? When you're moving, it's easier, right? You can maneuver, you can go from place to place. And the Bible says that we shall hear a word behind us saying, this is the way walking in it when you turn to the right hand and when you turn to the left. Isaiah 30, verse 21. We'll hear his voice as we are moving, as we're doing his will, as we're moving forward to the best of our knowledge, doing what God wants. He will direct us even more into his perfect will. Well, with the remaining time, I'm going to share with you a couple of things. Just to summarize there, we've talked about the basic ways to know God's will. Talked about some more, the six things. And the seven ways to know God's will more specifically in certain situations. But why has God led me here? How did God lead us here? You know, I'm, I'm 32 years old. Uh, I just started medical school. 
And I, before coming here, I was an evangelist, literature evangelist, Bible worker, doing a different kind of thing in life. But, but God led us, my wife and I, to this place. I remember when I was 18 years old, I went to Chicago. And I was there doing Bible work, knocking on doors, and serving the Lord. And I remember uh, doing a spiritual work there uh, with the Bible in hand. I would go into people's homes and share the Bible with them. But I would see when I come into their homes, their need for not just spiritual revival, but physical Health was such a need. All the, way, all the way back then I saw that. So I did Bible work for a couple of years. But in the, in the back of my mind, I always knew something was missing as I shared the word with people. I wanted to share more about how they could be healed, not only spiritually, but also physically. So I went to Weimar for a, a time. I wanted to learn about health and about how to share health with other people. And I was very much thinking about doing pre-med at that time. But the Lord said, no, Wesley, I don't want you to, to, to be here for, for very, very long. Just one semester. Get this health evangelism track going and, 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 and learn a little bit about health. But I want to send you to a different place. I went to Souls West. And while there, the Lord began to give me a vision. Not like this a, a mysterious thing in the, you know, a dream but a vision of what he wanted me to do in ministry pretty much the rest of my life. And I saw that through many things, but specifically through one event. A man named Dave Fiedler came and spoke at our, our school, and he shared about a variety of things. But the, 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 the thing that caught my attention the most was a different way of doing ministry than had been done in the past. And I'm going to read a quote to you that, that really sparked this vision in my mind from the spirit of prophecy. It was in 1910. She spoke this, 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 uh, this prophecy or this vision, and, and she specifically wanted to deliver it to people that were here in Loma Linda. They were being trained as medical evangelists. I'll read it here. It says, During the night of February 27, a representation was given me in which the honor work cities were presented before me as a living reality. I was plainly instructed that there should be a decided change. A what? A decided change from past methods of working. I urge that companies be organized and diligently trained to labor in our important cities. So we see here that she was saying that there should be a change. A change in the way that we do ministry in some way. And that companies or groups, teams should be organized and diligently trained to labor in our important cities. There should be a difference in how we do ministry right now. And I was like, wow, this is powerful. Because I, I always wanted to do, to do ministry in a team. I didn't want to go by, by myself and be alone. I wanted to be with, be with others. And this is what she was saying, that we should come together. Well, what, that, what would that team be organized to do? I have another quote for you. That first one was from um, Call to Medical Evangelists. This one is from the ninth volume of the Testimonies, page 171.5. She says this. There should be companies organized and educated most thoroughly to work as nurses, as evangelists, as ministers, as canvassers, as gospel students to, pre to perfect a character after the divine similitude. She's saying here that we should have a variety of individuals, medical individuals, spiritual individuals, canvassers, gospel students that are coming together as a team, as a group, working together, being trained to work together, to work the cities, and ultimately for our characters to be transformed into Christ's image. I was inspired by this thought of different ministries coming together, different branches of ministry coming together to do what God has called us to do. Well, as a as a canvasser, I, I saw this. And I said, you know what, Lord, help me to do this right now. 
So we started a team of workers. I was the literature ministries director in Nevada, Utah. And we had a team of workers that was primarily Bible workers and canvassers. But the Lord was like, no, train them, train yourselves to do health work as well. So we, we got some health coaching classes and God blessed in an amazing way the ministry we were doing as we combined health with the ministry of the gospel. Amen? Ooh, I love that. That's the way that Christ ministered. Combining health, physical healing with spiritual restoration. We began to do that simply by just going into people's homes and, and opening up a book called Habits That Heal and just sharing with them and just helping them exercise, cooking with them in their homes. Of course, we give Bible studies as well and do that kind of thing, but we also help them around their homes and just help them with the, the needs that they have. And God blessed in such a mighty way. The first year we did this, we baptized about 12 people. The second year, 24. And the last year that I was there doing that, we were there doing that, we baptized 100 souls that year by God's grace. And I was like, Lord, this works. What you have instructed in your word actually works. And we've only scratched the surface. And I said, you know what, Lord? I began to read more in the spirit of prophecy about the vision that she had given. And I saw the need for connecting not only these Bible workers and canvassers and health workers together, but there was a need for a more present health professional work. The need for physicians to be a part of this nurses, other individuals, to be a part of this ministry, coming together and working together as a team to reach the cities. And I began to pray about it. And I began to look at these seven things that I just talked to you guys about and examine those things in my own life. What should I do, Lord? I began compiling quotes. I have about 60 pages worth of quotes about the, the work of a physician in ministry. Powerful stuff. I was like, whoa, Lord, this is amazing. I said, Lord, how can I find someone that can help us? Well, to make a long story short, the Lord said, you're not going to find anyone. I want you to do what I'm calling you to do now. I want you to go back to school and become a physician. I was like, what? No, Lord, that doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> uh, I, I'm married. We didn't have a son yet, but I, I have a job. We have things we're doing. Like, why would you want me to go to medical school and spend like the next 10 years in the books? This doesn't make sense. So for two years, I resisted the Lord's impressions. I resisted the Lord's calling, but he would not let me go. He would not let me free from this conviction to go to medical school and to try and fulfill with others this, this vision that was given to the messenger of the Lord. And I have to tell you that I, I, I finally came to a, a, a point where I told the Lord, I, Lord, I, I don't know what to do. I've been struggling with this for, for at least over a year now, two years. I need you to show me. Show me what you want me to do. Show me how you want me to go. I'm going to take this month, November, it was 2016. Show me your will, Lord. I'm going to fast. I'm going to pray. I'd like you to show me what you want me to do here and now because I, I just don't want to be waffling back and forth. I need to make a move now. And I'm truncating the story a lot so we can get it, share it in time. There's much more to the story. But to make a long story short, during that month, the Lord made it abundantly clear that he wanted me to be in medical school. And he did it by his word. He did it by his word, and he did it by sharing with me how he had led me in the past. I'd always been uh, deeply in love with the scripture there in, in Hebrews chapter 12. And that's one of the ways that God has led me in the past, is through that, those scriptures there in Hebrews chapter 12. And I was reading that one day as I was praying about God's will, and I happened upon a couple verses that just pointed me so clearly to the healing ministry of Christ that I knew that it was God's will for me to make the step and go forward and do what he was calling me to do. And that day, I told my wife, honey, 
as long as you're supporting me and, and you are, are behind me with this, I'm going to go forward and we're gonna go to med- I'm going to go to medical school. So that next month, I quit my job there at Nevada Utah Conference, pursued medicine full-time, and by, God, by, by God's grace, we're here today. But many providential things happened. I, that, once I started the, the medical school journey, I didn't know if I was going to finish. And even now, I'm, I'm in my first year, and I'm not sure what's going to happen day by day. Amen? <laughs> but God has led in so many powerful ways, providential ways. I know it's his will for me to be here right now. So, I can share a lot more about providence, about all these things. I don't have time to share all of that. If you have questions, please come and talk to me afterward. But God brought us here, and I'm glad he did. But the thing I want to close on this morning is not necessarily, yes, we need to hear God's voice. We need to wake up every morning to listen to him. He showed us clearly what his will is in his word, and it's not too difficult to understand, hopefully. But the question is, oftentimes... As the train goes by, can you guys still hear me? Yes? All right, good. The question is, what about those times when we feel like we've kind of gotten off the path? Where we feel like we're not exactly where God wanted us to be in our lives. Maybe God showed us where to go in the past and we were following him, but, but we, we kind of got off track or we don't feel like we clearly see things as we may have used to see things or we don't feel like we're as close to God as we maybe used to be. And there's times in our lives where we, we don't feel like we're actually close to God or getting closer to what he wants for us, where it seems like the goal is just so far out of reach that we can't get to it. What about when we're dealing with those situations in our lives? I don't know about you, but I've felt that many, many a time. What do we do in that situation? Let's go quickly to the, to the Bible, to Mark chapter 8. We're going to close here in Mark chapter 8. In Mark 8, we see a very powerful story here with the disciples and with Jesus. I'll give you a little bit of background. In, in the beginning of Ma, Ma, uh, Mark chapter 8, we see Jesus feeding the 4,000. He had fed the 5,000 uh, a few chapters previous in, in Mark chapter 6. And now he's feeding 4,000. It's almost like an identical scene, but not quite. He asked the disciples, what should we do for these people? They, they're hungry. I don't, I don't, I don't want to send them forth with nothing. And they say, well, we don't know, Lord. I mean, we don't have any food. How can we feed all these people? The same thing they said just a couple chapters earlier in chapter 6. Well, we know the story. God, he said, he took the seven loaves. This time, not, not five and two fish, but seven loaves this time, and broke them and fed the 4,000 there. And they were all amazed and fed and blessed, and they gathered seven baskets afterward. But after that event, Christ begins telling them a story about the, the, the Pharisees. And they get in a boat, and we're going to pick up the story in verse 14. Mark chapter 8, looking at verse 14, the Bible says there, Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread on their, on their boat ride. And they did not have more than one loaf with them in the boat. Then he charged them, saying, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. So he's giving them some instruction. Look at verse 16. Or verse 16, yeah, verse 16. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, Is it because we have no bread? Now think about it. How many loaves did Christ just make out of nothing? So many to feed 4,000. And they're thinking now, we don't have bread. He's getting mad at us because we don't have bread. Look how Jesus rebukes them. Watch this. 
But Jesus being aware of it, said to them, Why do you reason among yourselves that we have no bread? Do you not perceive nor understand? Is your heart still hardened? Having eyes do you not see, and having ears do you not, do you not hear? And do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the five thousand, how many baskets full were remaining? Or how many did you take up? And they said twelve. And when I broke the seven loaves for the four thousand, how many large baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they said, seven. And he said to them, how is it that you do not understand? You know, I don't know how many times I felt like these disciples, where God has taught me something over and over and over again, and I seemed not to be able to get it, not to be able to understand what God was saying. And I can imagine how the disciples felt at this time when he was speaking, feeling a little bit downtrodden, a little bit like, man, are we ever going to get it? Are we ever going to understand Christ's mission and how he works? But I believe Christ gives them a word of encouragement, an illustration of encouragement in the next few verses. Watch this. It's powerful. Verse 22. It says, Then he came to Bethsaida, and they brought a blind man to him. A what kind of man? A blind man. What did, what did Christ just call the disciples? He called them blind and hard-hearted, right? Well, now they come upon a blind man and begged that he may touch him. So he took the man, the blind man, by the what? By the hand. Now watch that right there. Remember, this, this sermon is entitled, Hearing God's Voice, Taking His Hand. He took the man by the hand. Now, we are other times in the scripture where, where Christ healed people right then and there. There are times where he, people just touched the hem of his garment, they were healed, boom. But this time, he does something different. He takes the man by the hand and does what? What does the verse say? He takes him outside of the city. He takes the man on a journey. And I believe that's what God is saying to the disciples. I want to take you on a journey. I'm not, I'm not, he, he, the healing that's going to happen, the, 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 the sight that I want to give you, it may not happen right away. I'm going to take you with me. Take my hand in yours and walk with me. Look at the rest of the verse. And when he had spit in his eyes and put his hands on them, he asked them if they saw anything. And he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. So he couldn't see perfectly. He couldn't see fully. He couldn't see clearly. Verse 25. Then he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up. And he was restored and saw everyone clearly. There's so many things that you could bring out of this scripture. But the one thing that I want to show you today is that, you know, if you're on your journey with the Lord, you're walking with him. But you may feel like you're blind. You may feel like you don't understand. You may feel like you have fallen off the path at times. But God is saying, take hold of my hand and I will lead you to a place where you're able to see perfectly and see clearly. It may not happen right away. It may be a process of time. But if you hold my hand, I will bring you to where I want you to be. The Bible says in Psalm 37 and verse 23 and 24, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. And though he fall, he will not be utterly cast down. Why? Because the Lord upholds him with his hand. If we are held by the hand of God, if our hand is in the hand of Jesus, we will never fail, beloved. Even if we do fall, we will not fail. Amen? Because God is with us. If you take his hand and walk with him, he will lead us to where we want him to be. The question is, how do we get our hand in God's hand? 
How do you put your hand in God's hand? I just think of Matthew 14. When Peter was there walking on the water, walking toward Jesus, he got distracted and looked back and, 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 and got frazzled and the, and the waves started to come over him. And he said three words as he was sinking and falling. Three words he said, Lord, save me. Look it up later, Matthew 14. Lord, save me. And immediately the Bible says Christ's hand was there to pull him out of that water. Amen? And help him to walk back to the boat safely. If you want your hand in the hand of God, just simply say, Lord, take my hand. Lord, take my hand. Lord, save me. Lord, help me. Help me to walk with you day by day. Help me to walk with you moment by moment. Help me to have my hand in your hand. How many of you want to follow God's will? Amen? Anyone here want to do that? How many of you want to hear his voice? Amen? How many of you want to put your life in his hands? Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you so much that you've given us the opportunity to know you more, to hear your voice, to follow your, your will, and to be held by your hand. Lord, there's so much more that could be said, and I am inadequate to share your word appropriately. But I pray that the word that has been shared today could have some impact on some heart today by your divine grace. And that we as a group here would journey on toward Christ and his character. And by your grace, Lord, you're, you're, you're soon coming. And that we may honor you and glorify you all, all that we do until that time. We thank you, Lord, for these things and pray them in the name of Jesus and for his sake. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.